0: Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Up In Flames. I got a heck of a show for you today. I got one heck of a guest coming on, my guy, Kenneth. But before we get there, we're going over the first first quarter report in the NFL. We are through four weeks, the first quarter. I know it's 17 games, so we could do it after week four, after week five. We decided to do it after week four. Got a lot of good stuff coming for you, and we'll be back right after this. Warning. Warning. You are now listening to Up In Flames. We up in flames, yeah. We up in flames,
1: yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah,
1: uh, uh yeah. Let me
0: hear it, Lambo. We up in flames. We up in flames. We up in flames. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we up in flames, yeah yeah uh, we up in flames hold on check this go we up in flames yeah uh, we up in uh, yeah yeah we up in flames yeah we up in
1: uh, yeah we up in flames we up in flames
0: and we are back boom and there he is, the special guest of the night, my guy, Kenneth, from the Shooter Shoot podcast. Also, the the head writer over there at our beloved Off the Ball Network. Kenneth, what's going on, bro?
1: Not too much, man. Super excited to be on tonight. Uh, the one thing that I like about us being through the first quarter of the NFL season is when those fantasy football trades start to ramp up because... Guys aren't liking their roster. They get out to that one and three zero and four start, and then you can start to really make some moves. So I've been in and out of Yahoo and Sleeper and every other app that I'm a part of making some trades today. So super excited to talk some NFL with you.
0: Yeah, I mean I've definitely noticed that too. Um, depending, you know, I'm in a few leagues just like you, and some of my leagues like there's actually like there's sought after guys that have been on my bench, and I just don't want to let go. Like I like the depth of most of my teams. Uh, made a trade that I ended up losing. I'm trying to make up for obviously in our network league, giving up Zeke. I didn't fully lose it, but I'm so, I didn't realize how loaded at wide receiver I am. Somebody will cough up some type of running back. I might end up having to lose another trade to get the, the right running back, at least another, a semi decent running back too, but we'll leave that fantasy talk for another time. So now, it's our NFL first quarter report. We're through week four. Any other year, this would literally be the first quarter, not deciding whether we do it after week four or after week five, but there's a 17 game season. A lot to talk about. Uh so Ken, before we really get into a lot of things, just what is your just overall thoughts through the first four weeks of the NFL season? Like how is it fared? Is it more exciting than you thought it would be? Is it right where you're at? Uh, and we'll get into some of the teams, players, and and where we have them
1: ranked that also. What I've really liked liked about the NFL this year is how competitive it's been. I mean, usually through four weeks, we've got multiple teams that are undefeated. And, you know, we had a lot of teams coming into the year with high expectations that have already picked up a loss or two. And I think that's just been really great. I mean, if you're a better, it hasn't been great for you because you probably thought that there was a couple locks mixed in there that that didn't help you out. But as far as the actual games have gone, I mean, we've had some great overtime finishes. Uh, a lot of close finishes as well a lot of points scored in a lot of games as well we've been able to see games like Brady versus Belichick last week we've you know there's just been a lot of great matchups and and I've really enjoyed it and that's going to be no different this week as well
0: yeah I mean definitely we've kind of seen like we're at the point now where we start to see what teams are going to give us uh for the near future so we kind of Get to break down what we saw, but now this is pretty much every year where people like the season ramps up. We've we've kind of seen what direction certain teams are going to go, um, what, what how certain players are going to perform, and kind of now you got to keep you know if if you surprised us so far, you got to keep this going. Um, but we'll get into all that. So I want to talk about we're going to do this in each segment. We're going to do players and teams, whether it's one player, one team at the very least. Um, Kenneth, of course you know this, but we're going to talk about the most impressive. There have been some teams that are sitting at certain spots that nobody could have foreseen uh, any prior to the season, like some preseason picks that people didn't have, some people sitting undefeated. We only have one undefeated team. Uh, some players playing where they'd be in MVP conversations, and you would have more thought that they might be on the trade market uh, come the trade deadline or maybe even possibly benched and moved on from after this year. So, Kenneth, we'll start with a, a player first. Which player – kind of that you
1: what you wouldn't have seen now has been most impressive to you so far in this season I mean typically when I look at most impressive when it comes to the player side of things I look at quarterback and the main reason why is because we know it's the most important position in football and usually the way that the quarterback has played also translates into the team success as well so for me it's got to be Sam Darnold because I mean, you and I were very high on Carolina coming into the year. It was well documented that we were, but I didn't expect this from Sam Darnold. I thought that they were going to rely heavily on the defense, heavily on Christian McCaffrey. You know, he would make the plays when needed to the Robbie Andersons and the DJ Moores in that offense. And Christian McCaffrey went down against Houston and... I mean, they were still able to pull out that game. Granted, it's the Texans, so they should win that game no matter what. But even last week against Dallas, yes, the defense didn't play great, but Sam Darnold played a good football game last week. And he's just very much impressed me. He's leading the league in rushing touchdowns this year, which is just a, a statement when you hear that Sam Darnold leading the league in anything. you That's probably the last category that you would think. And so for me... He's just been incredibly impressive. We are talking about him as a potential all-time bust when he was with the New York Jets, and then you see what happens. You get out from Adam Gase, get out from under that New York Jets franchise, and he goes on, and he's been incredibly impressive. They're sitting at 3-1, and one, and they're a team that they they could be in the playoffs this year in the NFC.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, Uh, We were high coming into the season, and it was because of Sam Darnold. I mean, essentially, like, it started at the helm of both of us being high on Sam Darnold and what he was surrounded with in the situation that he was in in Carolina as opposed to what he was in in New York. We knew that Carolina was built more for success and just needed that guy, and we felt like Sam Darnold, with the weapons around him, could be that guy. And so far, like you said, through four weeks, like, they're 3-1. and Uh, They beat who they were supposed to beat. They played in a game where they got dominated for a quarter and a half, and that's about it, against Dallas, uh, which changed the whole outcome of how that game played, and then they had to claw back, and there just wasn't enough time. Uh, But, you know, they went up in that game up a point at halftime, obviously because Dallas went for two, but still, like they were up a point at halftime, and in the third quarter and half of the fourth quarter is when Dallas just, you know, imposed their will. But outside of that, like Carolina has looked good. Uh, Up to the point of playing Dallas, they were the number one defense in all. Pretty much all categories minus takeaways. Uh, Dallas, going into that game, Dallas was leading in takeaways. Outside of that, Carolina was number one in pretty much all major defensive categories. So we're talking about the best defense versus a top five to top seven offense, uh, especially a well-rounded offense at Dallas. That that Carolina came out of a dogfight. Somebody had to win, somebody had to lose. And we talked about that matchup. Somebody was getting judged. If Dallas lost, they were frauds, they were flukes. They're not as good as we thought. And it was going to be the same thing for Carolina. Well, they haven't played nobody. Look what happens when they play somebody. We knew that was kind of what the matchup was about. Um, my most impressive, Kenneth. It's only right you and me are both Cowboys fans, so I'm going to stay as a homer at least on the player side, and I'm going to say Trayvon Diggs. It, it has to be like as as I'm with you on Sam Darnold. There's there's really not any wrong answer because there's been a lot of impressive players, but Trayvon Diggs. Like you picked your one on the offensive side, I'm going to go on the defense side. I'm going to go Trayvon Diggs. He has an interception in every game. He leads the league of interceptions with five. Uh, I think as far as a cornerback grade, there's about three or four that have higher grades than him so far. Uh, He's been the best corner up to this point in his career from his draft class a year ago. Uh, He's been the most available. So when you look at it, he's on a trajectory that – we knew he would be improved, and we knew he would be a good corner, but we still were like, we wanted a Patrick Sertana, we wanted a J.C. Horn, just because we we didn't know if if Diggs was ready to be a cornerback one, and at least if we have two, a rookie who is a potential cornerback one after this season, and then Diggs, if he takes that next leap towards the end of the season, we would expect him being a cornerback one. Now we're creating a deadly secondary. Well, we've done that already with, with Trayvon Diggs. I mean, he's literally played out of his mind. Uh, The only real corner that stands out uh, that has really outperformed him so far this year is Jalen Ramsey. And it's not in the takeaway category. It's a simple fact. Nobody has caught a touchdown on Ramsey and people have barely had any catches. I think the QBR is like uh, 35 when a quarterback throws Jalen Ramsey's way, which is absolutely horrible. You know, that means, you know, it's on an Island and that's, kind of what we love and hate about corners because statistically Jalen Ramsey isn't going to pop out on the takeaways, but he's literally taking away a whole side of the field. So he's changing how our offense has the game plan. And Trayvon Diggs is essentially doing the same thing. He's not playing on one side of the field. He's following your best receiver. Has he given up some big plays 100%? But if you look at who Dallas has had to play up to this point, he's played some quality receivers. Like he's had to go up against Antonio Brown, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin in Tampa. Um, He had to go up against Devontae Smith and Jalen Rager in Philly, who actually, Devontae Smith looks like a good rookie wide receiver. Jalen Rager looks like he's starting to pop now and become into his own as a wide receiver. And obviously, he had to go up against DJ Moore was the guy he really followed, which is why Robbie Anderson was actually able to have, finally have a pretty decent game. Um, I know fantasy owners were definitely going crazy over having Robbie Anderson, because at this point, he had like no value. Um, But he followed DJ Moore, and up until... Dallas kind of went to sleep. He contained DJ Moore, and then Dallas just went to sleep offensively, defensively. Carolina took advantage and started coming back. You know, celebrating the game too early, but yeah. As, as far as a player, I have to go Trayvon Diggs. He's he's played absolutely amazing, and and he's made that defense middle of the pack, but the the upper level of that middle of the pack defense where we that's a huge bounce back from being the historically worst defense one your franchise has ever had. Two, the NFL has ever one of the worst statistical defenses the nfl has ever seen the worst statistical your franchise has ever seen to bounce back to be in that 10 to 13 category as far as the top 10 to 13 defense is a major major leap and you got to give you you got to give a lot of shout out to to dan quinn as far as how that defense turned around but it leads with the fact that we have Diggs island like he's leaving guys on an island and
1: and i mean like the thing about dallas's defense we knew that there's no way that they're going to jump up into that top five but we knew that they could be a a takeaway defense and that's what they've been this year we saw them four takeaways against tampa which let's be honest they should have won that football game but the defense played well against a quality team and that's why a lot of people including myself were lower on dallas because the question was are they going to be able to create those turnovers that we need to get Dak the ball, that extra possession into a game? And they've done it through four weeks. So I completely agree on the Diggs point. Five picks in four games. He's one of the first players to do that. And I think it's it's been a long time since the players had a pick in each of the first four games. So shout out to him for for playing well.
0: Yeah, I mean, he definitely, like I said, he's played amazing. And, you know, like our good friend over there, Nick said, Turnovers are everything. At the end of the day, if there's one category you want to lead in as a defense, like what is the defense's job? To stop the offense from scoring. Well, how can you give the offense as many opportunities? Three and outs and turnovers. Getting the ball back and getting the ball out of the opposing offense's hands as fast as possible. So to be leading in turnovers, that's absolutely everything. I mean, we were in a game. Obviously, we we had an opportunity to win, but when you go against – the greatest quarterback of all time. You leave them a certain amount of time. There's, there's few and far between quarterbacks that could have done that, but we played against one. That was one of those guys in Tom Brady, but even still we have five takeaways in that game. Our defense looked really good against a, a a really high potent offense. We know what the bucks offense has been. It's really been a high potent offense. Um, so, so to see, you know, digs kind of lead the charge him and Michael Parsons. Uh, we'll probably talk about him a little bit later too, but, um, so I want to go your most impressive team or teams. You could give me more than one. Uh, there's, there's been a lot of teams that have impressed. But based on our categories, just for the few impressive, disappointing, and deceiving, you guys will understand it as we go. But give me what, your, your most impressive. Who has impressed you the most through the first four weeks? I know where you're going to go,
1: but go ahead and say it. I mean – I know that it's the easy pick cause they're the only undefeated team left in the league. And I've been touting Arizona and Kyler Murray for a long time, but let's actually like look at what they've done through four weeks. Because when you looked at Arizona's schedule, when it came out, what did we think the best case scenario was three and one, probably two and two. And that, was was best probably, case. that was absolute best case scenario. We thought they were going to be three and one. It was more likely two and two worst case scenario, one and three. But you look at it, they go in and beat a healthy Tennessee and they beat them badly. And through one week, it was like, okay, whatever. Tennessee came out flat, like this happens all the time. Then they go to Minnesota and Minnesota misses the kick, but it doesn't matter. You picked up the win. They were down in that game. Kyler brought them back. They did a great job of staying in the game. And then, of course, they get fortunate with the missed kick. Then they don't have their best stuff against Jacksonville, which we know that Jacksonville is not a great football team. But sometimes we see teams slip. We saw Tennessee do it with the Jets last week. But when it came to Arizona, they figured it out. Second half, they came out. They put the game away pretty handily, and that was really impressive as well. And then last week, to just downright beat up on the L.A. Rams. A week after, they beat up on Tampa Bay. And I would bet on Arizona to win that game. I didn't do it confidently, but to me, the value was there. And then shout out to them for going and beating a division opponent. We're going to see them again this week against another division foe in San Francisco. But how can you not be impressed with a team that has Kyler Murray playing some of his best football of his life? They've got lots of weapons. We've seen A.J. Green have an impact in that offense. Rondale Moore, we haven't even seen DeAndre Hopkins really get going in that offense outside of week one. So, And then that double... The two running backs that they have in Chase Edmonds and James Conner, they've been a lethal one-two punch as well. What's impressed me the most is that defense. Defense has only given up 21 points per game, which we know that they they were a lot like Dallas. They were a bad defense last year. Could they improve enough to really give them a chance in the division? And they've shown it through four weeks against quality opponents, so I think you got to give a shout-out to them. And then the other t- young team over in the AFC, the L.A. Chargers. How can you not love what the Chargers have done through four weeks? They were in that game with Dallas, the only game that they lost. Unfortunate for them. But they beat the Raiders, who were undefeated, and they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead back-to-back weeks. That shows me that Justin Herbert is taking it to another level. We've seen Austin Eckler played great against the Raiders. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams had three touchdowns in the first three games or four touchdowns in the first three games, whatever it was. So they've impressed me as well. This is why I've thought the NFL has been so great through four weeks, because we're seeing some of these younger teams for a long time. It was always, okay, it'll be India and the Patriots. And then for a couple of years there, you threw Pittsburgh into the mix. Now we're starting to see some of these younger teams up and coming. And that's why I really like to see it uh, from LA and from Arizona.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree. Like I said, I knew you were gonna go with Arizona, but it wasn't about them being undefeated. If anybody had been tuning into what we especially our CU Sunday and, and overreaction Monday, you've been in our preseason show, like you've been on Arizona. So I know they've had to impress you that they made you look amazing. While I was one to think that, you know, they made me, I guess, have one of the worst takes ever as far as thinking that they'd be it's in last not a place. Bad but but, it, but, and exactly, that's what I said. saying. But to say, because I never said that, like, Arizona couldn't make the playoffs. I said, like, they could be the worst team in a, a division where all teams make the playoffs. So I didn't think it was that wild to say that Arizona will be the worst out of Seattle, San Francisco, and, and the Rams. Um, but right now they're they're undefeated. Um, you know, they do have to have, they have to get through that part where, like, they flanked out last year. They were, what, 6-3? Uh, six and three, seven and three. Before they kind of flanked out at the second half of the season. Uh, for me, my most impressive, and it's kind of bad. I guess it could be on another one of these categories later on, but I'm gonna say it now. And it's it's the Vegas Raiders. They're three and one right now. Uh, I don't think a lot of people can see them three and one. And I know to say that after losing to the Chargers and how they kind of looked was like, well, how are you gonna say that they're gonna collapse and fall apart? But here's my thing: if you look at the Raiders, they beat. The Ravens, the Dolphins, and the Steelers. Two of which I understand the Steelers are not as good as we thought. But coming into the season, those look like guaranteed L, L, and even the Dolphins. People probably would have projected the the Raiders to possibly start 0-4, losing to the, you know, losing to the Ravens, losing to the Steelers, and then losing to the Dolphins. The Dolphins were a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, but were 10 and 6. Like they could have made the playoffs, but the AFC actually fared out to be pretty good last year which is why the afc north was really why the dolphins weren't able to make the playoffs last year and so now you kind of have the nfc west which could be the story for why like the panthers go 10 and 7 11 and 6 and miss out on the playoffs for the simple fact because they were in nfc at the same time as a loaded nfc west but the raiders did all this with a defense that we thought were lacking playmakers they're, they're not happy with their secondary. There's a lot of injuries, and their offensive of line is graded. They have one guy worth talking about on the offensive of line. They have the worst graded offensive of line in the NFL. To be 3-1 and one with the worst O-line in the NFL, is that, that speaks volumes. And to have not really been struggling offensively, the Chargers game was the first game we actually saw the Raiders really struggle uh, they they struggled late against the Dolphins to kind of close it out and had to go into overtime. But that's just one of those you have the lead, you get comfortable, you fall asleep, and then sometimes the other team gets the momentum and boom, like now you're you're you've lost momentum. The other team thinks they have you on the ropes, and you're trying to rebound, bounce back, and get what you had going. You're trying to spark a fire, and it's not that easy. Uh, so I definitely think that the Raiders have been one of the most impressive teams. I'm with you on the Chargers. I mean, just all around. Like they're able to finish out close wins. Like you said, they beat the Chiefs. Uh, they beat the undefeated Raiders at the time. And, and they're able to close out wins. They haven't been they weren't able to do that last year. That was kind of their MO. And they're healthy. I mean, they're fairly healthy. I know Kevin Murray is on the IR, but like this is the healthiest the Chargers have been in a couple of years. And I think that's a factor also is the simple fact that the Chargers are finally healthy. So now we get to see Justin Herbert. At his strongest, the offensive line is pretty good. Rashawn Slater is playing really well at the offensive line. He's he's surrounded by weapons from Eckler to Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen. Jared Cook at tight end. You know, he's not short of, of Asante Samuel Jr. is playing amazing as, as a cor- rookie corner with Derwin James over the top. Like, they, they have some guys. Joey Bosa, obviously. Like, they really have some guys. And when Kenneth Murray comes back where this is a dangerous team and this is a team who could possibly win the AFC West. I know it's early and it's not, you know, but the way everybody's playing is like it's not real unrealistic to say that the Chargers will keep this up and be head-to-head with the Chiefs at the end of the season to possibly be the AFC West winner. And I guess we're just waiting on the Raiders to flank out. But if they don't, hey, the AFC West is just as good as anybody else. The
1: they're they're three, the, the Chiefs
0: are the worst team.
1: The thing about the Raiders is that it's going to be really telling over the next four weeks how good this Raiders team is because we talked about the quality wins that they have. They beat the Ravens. The Ravens melted down in that game. But, hey, shout out to Derek Carr for going and getting that win. And then they go and beat the Steelers. We realize now, well, maybe the Steelers aren't quite what we thought they were because Ben's arm looks like it's ready to fall off. But they held on in that Miami game because it looked like it was slipping away. And, and we can give a team a break for coming out flat in one of the first four weeks. Like we, if we did it with green Bay, we did it with Tampa Bay. Like we we've done it with plenty of teams. So I don't see any reason why we would hold that loss against the Raiders. But if you look at their next three weeks, they have Chicago this week, Denver and Philadelphia. Those are all games that they should win because we know Philadelphia is not very good. We know that the Broncos, we saw their offense, and we're going to get into them in the most deceiving segment. But then the <laughs> Bears as well. I mean, they're playing at home against the Bears with Justin Fields. So if they can go and win those three games, at worst, win two of those games, we could see them sitting at 5-2. and two. They go into the bye week, and then they get the Giants right after that. So we could very well see the Vegas Raiders sitting at 6-2, and two, looking real pretty through the first half of the year they just have to go and prove it and win those games. They need to prove that what happened in that Chargers game was just a team had a flat half. Because let's be clear too, the second half of that game, they stormed back. The Chargers pulled away late, but they came out in the second half, scored a couple touchdowns and made it a lot closer than we thought it was going to be at halftime. So
0: yeah, I definitely agree and like I said, it was just with it, with having one of the worst offensive lines, Josh Jacobs being out, They've they've almost had every excuse to be a bad team, and yet they're standing through the first quarter at three and one. So that's something you have to be. You know, Derek Carr looks really well. uh, You know, he's going to get penalized, and you know, what have you done for me lately? And so everybody's going to hear about the Raiders and like, well, here comes the meltdown because they lost to the Chargers. But I mean, there were other factors, and and kind of we kind of just felt like the Chargers were the better team. But to be three and one and say that you lost your first loss was to a team that's better, and this is a team that we could essentially see compete up there with kansas city buffalo cleveland or whoever else you have as as afc championship contenders then that's not a bad loss i mean there's there's contenders then there's guys who are going to go to the playoffs and maybe win a first round game at, at best and then there's teams who aren't going to make the playoffs but to be in a category where you're like i could really see the raiders being 62 7 and 1 through the first eight weeks and or through their first eight games and ultimately having the shot at making the playoffs, I mean, good teams make the playoffs. Unless you're the division winner, of the NFC East in most years, most recent years, good teams make the playoffs. So we don't really doubt too many teams. And outside of Washington making it like last year, how many times do we look at them and be like, they don't have a winning record. They should get it. That team. You don't look at playoff teams and be like, they shouldn't be in the playoffs. Uh, so if the Raiders are ultimately at the very most a playoff team, that's still a success. Only one team. Can hoist up the trophy. And that's what people tend to get confused about is like, well, they can't win the Super Bowl. Well, yes, that is the ultimate goal. But just because only one team holds up a Super Bowl trophy, so you mean to tell me the 31 other teams had a failure of a season? I wouldn't think so, or else we'd be seeing coaches, we, we'd be saying uh, coaches get fired a lot more often. If it was Super Bowl or bust and anything other than that, you're possibly on the hot seat and losing your job. So we talked we, we shed some light on the first quarter. Now we have to get into the darkness. Uh it is a nighttime show. So it's about time we get into the dark things of, of the first quarter. And it's the most disappointing. Now I, I could this is a segment I could go in all day, but I promise <laughs> myself I'm not gonna do it because there's been a few players that have disappointed me. There's been a few teams that have disappointed me. But Kenneth, I'll start with you. Go with your player. Who's been your most disappointing
1: player? I mean, not that we had really high expectations for him coming into the year, but a guy with a roster that should be a lot better than they are, it's got to be Ben Roethlisberger because you look at that offense, we knew the O-line wasn't going to be great. They pretty much replaced their whole whole O-line in the offseason. They didn't get any better in that regard. But that doesn't change the fact that Ben Roethlisberger just flat out can't throw the football anymore. You look at the weapons that he has in that offense. He's got Najee Harris out of the backfield, who's been very impressive as a rookie, running behind a pretty lackluster O line, and then Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith Schuster. I uh, like it's it's sad. It, it's honestly just sad to watch Chase Claypool too, and we saw them against Green Bay last week. They didn't really threaten. We saw them against the Raiders. They didn't threaten. And through the first week, we were like, wow, they beat the Bills. The the Steelers are for real. Like, like they're gonna be a, back in the AFC contender status. Like, and then they've just had three flat weeks. And I don't think we can just put it on the defense on this one. Like the defense hasn't been as advertised, but they've still played fairly well. And TJ Watt missed a little bit of time there to start the year. So it has to be Ben Roethlisberger because we just had way higher expectations for the Steelers. Like, we weren't saying they were going to the Super Bowl, but I thought, worst case scenario, they're a nine and eight team. Mike Tomlin's never had a losing season, and they're in serious jeopardy now. Like, at one and three, you didn't look great against Green Bay. Uh, the Bengals beat you handily, which, yeah, the Bengals are three and one, but that's a game that you should win, especially at home. And it's, it's just, it's bad. And I I don't mean to sound like the sky is falling, but it's not getting any easier for them. Like, yeah, this week they get the Broncos. So hopefully they can win that game. But then you match up with Seattle and the Browns after that. Like we could be looking at them best case scenario two and four through seven weeks. And that's just, that's a terrible scenario for the Steelers.
0: Yeah, like you said, I mean everything about Big Ben and his arm seems shot. They just their offense does not seem as lethal as we thought. With like you said, you name the weapons, uh, you you name all the weapons that they had, and like with everything that you said, you would expect the Steelers to be a lot better. Uh, And like you said, everybody jumped on the train. I had the Steelers beating the Bills, uh, week one, um, on CU Sunday, and that was for the simple fact I just felt like it was prime. Like if a team is able, if if I feel like the Bills are better, but if a team is able to win that kind of game, it is week one where the Steelers might be able to set some momentum on some low expectations. As far as nobody just thought they were going to be the greatest, but nobody thought they were going to be this bad. Uh, for me, you probably know where I'm going with this. and People are going to lose their mind, but hear me, though. Hear me. There's there's two. I'm going to go a team. I mean, I'm going to go a player, and then I'm going to go a unit, and then we'll talk about a team. I'm not going to stick on the unit too long, but I'm going to say it. The Washington football team's defense. Sorry. Cruz, couch coach, I'm sorry, but y'all know it too, and y'all would say that on here. Uh, the, the, that defense has been atrocious, I think, yeah. is the answer. Yeah. And this is this is what we thought. I mean, if we, we could go fantasy projections, we could talk about however we want. Everybody thought. I thought. You thought. Everybody thought this was a top five defense.
1: Everybody <laughs> my, was favorite. They were my second fantasy team defense, so I'm with you on this.
0: i put it like this. You were so into Washington football's team's defense <laughs> – that you picked them to win the, the division. You try not to be biased, but you were all in on their defense. And, and it's yeah. it's that's what everybody that's what we were buying, what everybody was selling as far as their defense. Their defense was amazing last year. Uh we thought Ryan Fitzpatrick, and maybe that's maybe that's part of the problem is Fitzpatrick is at the quarterback, but their defense has looked horrible. And now they've had to win high scoring games. And that's not how Washington kind of planned on coming into the season and winning games. And that's probably not how we planned on Washington winning games either. We thought they were going to win in those 20 to 30, maybe like 30s on the high end, but really probably anywhere from 17 to 23, 24 will get them to win. And they haven't been able to do that. Their secondary looks just as bad as pick them. The Bucs secondary, the Falcons secondary, the Eagles secondary, like – Who's the worst secondaries in the league? Because Washington's right there along with them, uh, but I won't spend too much time only because I don't want to seem like I'm really bashing Washington. But that's that's a fair thing: is that their defenses yeah. had to have been the most disappointing because everybody bought into Washington being the best team in the NFC East, even though they didn't have the best quarterback, they didn't have the best offense. They might not have even had the best coach. We don't know. We could argue that all day. I would probably pick Coach Rivera over McCarthy, but you could argue that, uh, and then. And they, but they did have the best defense and that's what everybody was buying was they might not be able to score a lot of points, but ain't nobody scoring a lot of points on their defense. And it's just, they haven't gotten to the quarterback. They failed at everything. We thought they were going to do well uh to have, to be successful and win the NFC East. And then I'm going Baker Mayfield. Yeah. Baker Mayfield. He's been disappointing and people are going to say, well, how has Baker Mayfield been disappointing because the Cleveland Browns are three and one. And I'm going to tell you why he's been disappointed because he is on a contract year. What were people where Baker's going to take the next step? This Cleveland team, to me, if Baker had took the next step, and took that contract year step that, hey, I'm trying to show everybody. I just watched Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott. And, you know, you, you've seen Deshaun Watson get paid, even though he's not on the field right now. But that's for another time. But Deshaun Watson got paid. We're projecting what Lamar Jackson is going to get paid. And Baker Mayfield, you just watched your counterpart in the same draft who got drafted after you get paid before you. So this was kind of like a prove-it year. And the Cleveland Browns are really good defensively. It took a couple games for their defense to come in, and they're really good defensively like we expected. This is a top-five defense. They have a really good run game and Mitch Chubb and Kareem Hunt like we expected. Their offensive line is really good, but was struggling in their pass game. Their pass game, and then you're gonna point to me, and you're gonna you're gonna go one game where he threw. I think he was 22 for 26. Uh, he threw by almost didn't even throw for 300 yards. police percentage off the charts. No touchdowns. Like you you don't get. You, I'm not getting 300. Yard, I'm not getting the touchdowns here. Everything is QBR.
1: His his yards per game. His yards per. T- he's in the 20s and everything. He is not in the top 20 in passing yards or passing touchdowns. Like, that's all that needs to be said about how disappointing he has been. You said he's on a contract here, and you can't crack the top 20. Top 20. Like that's brutal. And that's
0: my point. Is and I've said I'm not knocking the Cleveland Browns. I think they're a really good team. And and I think they have a shot at making the playoff, but I think they'll have to do it in spite of Baker if he doesn't turn it around. Because through the first quarter. I've been, I've been the biggest, and you can say I'm a Baker hater or whatever, but I'm looking at a good, a really, really good football team that has the potential to be great with a slight upgrade at quarterback. I'll tell you like this. If Sam Darnold was the quarterback of the Browns, they're Super Bowl favorites right now. That's the slight upgrade I'm talking about. If Sam Darnold was the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns right now, they are possibly through four weeks the Super Bowl favorites. They probably are undefeated. They probably don't lose to the Chiefs. Because we've seen what Sam Darnold is able to do with the Panthers and what he's able to do with DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. Obviously, as has McCaffrey, but that one-two punch of Chubb and Kareem Hunt is just as deadly. A better offensive line in Cleveland. You can argue a better defense based on opponent, you know, however you want to look at it. But Cleveland, I think in the long run, will have the better defense uh, by the end of the season. Sam Darnold will have it made. Yes, Jarvis Landry went on IR, but as soon as Landry goes, you know, Odell comes back. You have Peoples-Jones. Like they they have, you know, they have Rashad Higgins. Like they had a lot of pieces where you're like, you know, Baker should be getting the job done. But my biggest thing is especially because he is on a contract year. When a guy is on a contract year, people had very high hopes for Baker and like, hey, he could have been a dark horse MVP candidate because we know what the stakes are. And if he does something like that, we know he's gonna get what type of money he demands. But there's nowhere, like you said, in yards and touchdowns and quarterback rating, he's not in the top twenty in any of those. Those are kind of the three, you can give me completion percentage, but he's being dink and dunk. I think the Cleveland Browns-
1: Mac Jones it, has more passing yards than Baker Mayfield.
0: And, and Mac Jones is a dink and dunk guy who's sitting there on a the team at one and three with a really good defense, where, because the offense isn't nowhere near as lethal not as the the Cleveland And weapons Browns. that
1: Baker has. E-
0: exactly, but that's what I say. And then he's dink and dunk. That's why his completion percentage is so well. But, I mean, he's not throwing touchdowns. He's not throwing for a lot of yards. His QBR is not great, which means they're winning these games in spite of him. Case Keenum would be 3-1 and with with Cleveland right now, and I solely believe that because of what you would be asking for Case Keenum, he'd be able to do it. A veteran quarterback would be able to dink and dunk, hand it off to the running backs and let them go crazy and let your defense make stops and win games. They'd win every game they've won, and it could be 4-0 and if they had a Sam Darnold. So now I want to go to most disappointing teams. I'll go first on this one. Just because I've, I've already been on the roll and on a rant. I'm gonna go to the Tennessee Titans. Sorry, Walker. <laughs> I know you ain't talking to me. You're I know you sorry. probably don't ever want to talk to me again, but I'm gonna do it anyway. It's the Tennessee Titans. And here's why. They're in a bad division. They're two and two. And they're two and two with they're two and two with the loss to the Jets. Like you should be three and one right now. And I understand no Julio, uh, no AJ Brown, but this is against the Jets. This isn't against the you know, they, they lost to the Ravers with no Julio. And they, you give them a pass, then you're like, hey, you need kind of all your weapons when you're playing against certain, you know, these top half of the teams. But you're talking about arguably the worst team in the NFL. And you're sitting at 2-2. Two and two, And thank God you're in a horrible division with the Colts, the Texans, with the Colts, the Texans, and Jaguars. Or we'd be like, man, are they going to make the playoffs? But, I mean, they might be the new NFC East, or they might be just as bad as the NFC East. But since the Cowboys are better, that could be the worst division in football. The Tennessee Titans have been a disappointment. I mean, King Henry is still King Henry. Might go for over 2K again. But their passing offense hasn't been as lethal as we thought with the addition of Julio. If Ryan Tannehill is everything that a guy like Walker was telling me he is, then the addition of Julio, that passing offense takes a step in the right direction and becomes elite, becomes a top three to five passing offense. When you're telling me you have – Julio Jones, AJ Brown, and Ryan Tannehill throwing the ball with the threat of Derrick Henry running. That should open up a lot of things, but it just hasn't. And they're sitting at two and two. So, Kenneth, who are, who's some of your your most disappointing team or one of your most disappointing teams? Cause I know we're more when it comes to teams, we're more focused on the next or last category of deceiving.
1: Yeah, I mean, when it came to the players' side, I almost had Ryan Tannehill there, but I, I'm giving him a pass because last week he didn't have either of those guys, and when you're throwing to guys like Furkser and others, I mean, it's it, it can be tough. It is the Jets, but, you know, you should win that game no matter what, especially when Henry gives you 157 on the ground. Least impressive has to be Kansas City, no? Because when you're looking at, mm-hmm. like, e- even from a betting perspective, they had Kansas City coming into the season over under 13 and a half wins, which means that they were only expected to lose three, maybe four games. Well, they're sitting at two and two and they've just been sloppy. I mean, yeah, they beat Cleveland, but Cleveland dominated the first half of that game. They were able to storm back and take it. Then they cough up the late lead to to Baltimore. The CEH fumble kind of screws them over there, but that's a game that you should close out. If you're a championship team, they lost to the chargers. Which it's a divisional game So you can give them a pass Because we also talked about how good this Chargers team is It's an underrated defense They've got Herbert and a lot of weapons And then they gave up 30 points to the Eagles Which like The only other team to give up that many points to the Eagles Was oh right the Falcons Falcons gave up 29 points to the Eagles So I think I mean you could put the Kansas City defense In the least impressive unit category Like you had Washington's defense Because They're giving up 31 points per game. The only team worse is the Falcons that I just mentioned. And so we're projecting them to have two to three losses and they still haven't played Buffalo, Green Bay, Dallas, the Chargers again. They're in a tough division where they're going to get the Raiders twice as well. So yeah, I think it's not time yet to, to hit the panic button on Kansas City because we could easily see them rattle off 10 straight wins just because that's the way that they are. But We could possibly hit that panic button if they lose to Buffalo on Sunday night because that's a marquee matchup against a good defense, a good QB on the other side. And if Buffalo goes in and beats them, then you're sitting at two and three. We're talking about you not winning your division, not having a first round by potential wild card scenario at that point if you give the Chargers a couple games up on you. So, yeah, that would that has to be the least impressive team for me.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, def- I I agree with you, and, and I think I didn't want to say that just because, like, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I'm still a Patrick Mahomes fan, I think. I think they are they remind me so much of the Warriors. I think they have a switch, and when they know they're in trouble, they can flip that switch. And, yeah, the defense isn't the greatest, and it hasn't been the greatest the past couple of years, but Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, yep. Edwards Hilaire, led by Mahomes, You know, this offensive line is trying to find itself as a unit. I think they'll be a lot better uh, going forward. Like I said, we're through the first four games. We're going to start seeing the chemistry's click. Got teams are clicking. We're going to see what it looks like for the near future. But it's tough because at two and two, like you say, you do play the Bills. But I I just look at them like the Warriors. There's talent.
1: They can pick their poison on how to win games and they have a switch. And we watch the Warriors do it. it. It's disappointing only because of what their standard is right mm-hmm. like it'd be no different than Manning's Colts or Brady with the Patriots like starting out 2 and 2 it would be like uh they've been disappointing because we expect them to be undefeated 3 and 1 at worst like that's the only reason why they're disappointing well i still expect them to be deep into the playoffs potential super bowl team but just through 4 weeks they've disappointed
0: yeah I mean most, I don't disagree with you it's just for me like I was like ah, I'm gonna lay off on Kansas City just because like yeah they've disappointed me but I know like I just yeah. think I yep. look at them like the Warriors the Warriors go through a cold stretch and they they would they would turn it around when they had pre-KD definitely when they had KD we just looked at that team like ah they'll be okay and I think that's still how I'm looking at Kansas City but like you said they could put themselves in a hole losing to Buffalo this week and that's kind of a tough, you know, I don't want to say do or die game because it's not like their season's over, but to to kind of whether I'm going to dig myself a hole or not, that's a tough opponent, especially with that defense being lights out over there in Buffalo. So we'll, we'll get into most deceiving. Uh, Kenneth had referenced this earlier, so I know one of his candidates for most deceiving. Um, so we'll go with a player who's been most deceiving, you know, has played bad up to this point, but we'll turn it around or has played really well and you don't expect them to keep up. Just for y'all who are wondering how we're coming with deceiving, it's going to be teams or players who have played really well that we don't expect to keep up this standard, or have played bad and been fairly quiet and we expect to turn it up. So,
1: Kenneth, I'll start with you and and give me a player who's been most deceiving to you. So my player's going to be the playing really well and is going to come back down to earth, and then it's going to be the opposite for my team perspective. The player that I think is going to come down to earth, and it's not because I don't think he's a good player, I just think he's playing outside of his his depths, is Derek Carr. I mean, I like Derek Carr as a quarterback, don't get me wrong. For me, he's a top 10 to 15 quarterback in the NFL. But is he a lead the league in passing yards quarterback? For me, he's not. And I think he's benefited from playing a, a couple weeks secondaries out of the gate. I mean, like, yeah, the Steelers, they have their their front seven, but the secondary is not great. Like, we've seen teams mm-hmm. throw the ball on on Pittsburgh pretty well. They, for the most part, stop the run. The Ravens' secondary is banged up. Um, the Chargers' secondary isn't great. They're another team that relies on that front seven. So I think he's going to come back down to earth as far as that goes. I don't think it's going to affect the team a lot because they are missing Josh Jacobs for a couple weeks. I think with him back, you've got Kenyon Drake there as well. You got that one-two punch. I think the Raiders, yeah, they don't have a great O-line, and they're going to rely on Carr quite a bit. But I do think that they are going to get a lot better at running the football, even behind a crappy O-line, because as I said, those defenses they've played have been front seven heavy. So Derek Carr, I think he comes back down to earth. Like he'll be top 10 in passing yards. Like I think if you've got almost 1400 through four weeks, it's going to be pretty tough not to be in that range. He might even finish top five. I just think he's going to come back down to earth a bit. He's just not going to be that high on the list.
0: Yeah. A guy that I'm going to go and I'm going to say, because I'm going to go on the opposite end is that he hasn't played that well. And I expect him to turn around. I got to go DK Metcalf. He's been fairly quiet uh, through the first four weeks Fantasy owners have probably been disappointed. No, I don't have him on my fantasy team. Just to put that in perspective that I'm not, he hasn't deceived me as a fantasy draft guy, but um, I I have to go. He just hasn't played up to a top five wide receiver level that, that we kind of were starting to put DK Metcalf. It was about time he jumped into that category right behind, you know, DeAndre Hopkins. Like we're seeing Julio kind of phase out as he's getting older. So who's the next list of guys and like, DK Metcalf was kind of leading that group of the next group of young guys. And, you know, Terry McLaurin has looked better. Uh, AJ Brown has looked better prior to injury and Tyler Lockett has been the number one receiver over there up to through the first four games, even though, you know, DK had a really good game. Not that Tyler Lockett got hurt, but we kind of thought we kind of looked at Lockett as wide receiver too. And he's gotten more targets, more yards, more touchdowns um, and, you Lockett has kind of had the season outside of the injuries had the season that we thought DK Metcalf would have um, up to this point. He has less than 300 yards. So he's averaging about 60, 65 yards a game. I I more so through at least the first four games would have saw more at that 80 to 85 on a lower end, closer to 100 coming out hot on the gate, out the gate uh, on the high end for DK Metcalf. And so for him not doing that, I don't think he keeps up that, that lack of production throughout the whole season. I do think he's just he's physically gifted enough and he's gonna face, at the very least, he's gonna face enough bad secondaries or find enough of the right matchups to have monster games to make up for some of the games where he lacks production. And I think he'll play absolutely amazing um from here on out. I just I don't see him keeping down and not becoming, you know, look, maybe top 10 in receiver yards. There have also been some guys who who have outdone themselves. So I do think DK Metcalf is one of the most deceiving uh, with teams. Uh, I'll go with, I'll go teams first. I know I'm sure you have multiple. So I'll let you go after you mentioned one, but I'm sure you have multiple knowing you, you do your homework. So I'm going to go with mine first and I'm going to go with Cincinnati. Uh, I'm gonna go with a team. I'm gonna go two sides, both sides of the spectrum. I'm gonna go team is really good that I think will flank out, and I'm gonna go with Cincinnati. Their wins, two of their wins are against Pittsburgh and Jacksonville, and they've also beat a Minnesota team. Uh, we want to value Minnesota a- as a good team, and that t- you know t- whatever. But they beat Minnesota, but then they beat Jacksonville. They beat Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is not as good as we thought. We know Jacksonville is absolutely horrible. It's a shit show over there in Jacksonville. So therefore, you know. We, we don't expect anything from them. Beating Jacksonville on a Thursday night means nothing. And then beating Pittsburgh is almost turning out to mean nothing. Like, Joe Burrow looks pretty good. He's had a bad game. He's not as great as everybody says right now. But he looks good. He looks good, but his numbers aren't as great as everybody thinks. Uh, but that offense, they have the weapons. I mean, they have their offensive of line is still atrocious, but they have Jamar Chase, who's playing really well. FT Higgins, who's been banged up, but he'll come back. Joe Mixon just got banged up. Uh, but you know, with Tyler Boyd, they got the weapons. We didn't expect Joe Burrow, as long as he was semi protected, we expected them to their passing office to be fairly well. Their defense is decent. They have a pretty good secondary. Jesse Bates is one of the top safeties in the NFL. Uh, I don't know about the top, but he's one of them. Probably a the top five safety in the NFL. So they have some decent pieces where, like, I could see them being a decent team, but being three and one, like, through the first four seasons, I mean, essentially that means they finished what? 13 and four. Through the next three quarters of the season, they finished thirteen and four on the path. I don't even think they go close to that, and I even could see them flink, flanking out and not even making the playoffs. Uh, they are in the AFC North, which is tough. We know they they're going to have the Ravens twice. They're going to have the Browns twice, so they're going to have some matchups where I don't see them really winning. And they could prove me wrong, but I just think they're very deceiving because three and one, they're not like your your normal uh, three and one team. They're not as great as they may. Come off to be you're gonna probably put them in the bottom half of, of three and one teams, and there's some two and two teams that are that are you probably would put ahead of them in a ranking and then you would there's also some one in three teams that you see would be more talented and that's why I'm gonna go to my one in three teams that are not as bad as you think when you look at the record and that's the Minnesota Vikings. I mean just look at the talent they have they're not that bad like they're not one in three bad. I think they've had some bad breaks. They they lost to Cincinnati, which is where they, I think they should be two and two. But they lost to Cincinnati, and the defense hasn't held up like we thought. Kirk Cousins has actually played amazing, and but he flamed out against Cleveland. Like now, granted, it's against Cleveland's defense. I'm not going to take away, but that first drive, like he came out on fire and was able to score on Cleveland early, and then never caught that fire again. I know Dalvin Cook's a little hurt, but like he's not lacking weapons. He has Irv Smith, uh, Jr at tight end, um, not Irv Chris Herndon at tight end. Uh, he has uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen at wide receiver, and Adam Thielen is on fire through the first four weeks, especially from a fantasy perspective. But in their defense, they haven't held up, but they're a good team. Like when you look at their roster, like I said preseason, like I think this is a good team. Like I, I don't think they're great. I don't know if they make the playoff, but this is a good team. It's not an easy matchup. It's not somebody you want to have to play with all chips on the line. With, with what they got with Dalvin Cook and Madison as a one-two punch and running back, like, they have a lot of things, a, a okay offensive line. So I think they've been the most deceiving because I don't think they're as bad as their record. And I think when you look at all the one-in-three teams, like, you also have the Houston Texans who are one-in-three. You also have the New England Patriots who are one-in-three. And, and I just, I mean, I think the, the Patriots could fall under that most deceiving also, but I just, I'd put them ahead of pretty much, they're probably the best one-in-three team right now when they're equivalent probably I'd say they're even better than some of the 2 and 2 teams like you should see them at 2 and 2 or 3 and 1 but things haven't flown their way so that's kind of where my most deceiving on both ends of the spectrum. Kenneth, where are you most deceiving at?
1: Uh, most deceiving a team that's 3 and 1 that I think we've we learned last week shouldn't be 3 and 1. They've just had the schedule benefit as Denver. Um people will point to the Teddy Bridgewater injury because obviously he's got a concussion. We don't know how long he's going to be out, but they weren't winning that football game with Teddy either. I mean, you look at the way that the Ravens played, like they didn't even have their run game and they still 23 to seven, like they're only averaging 20 points per game with Teddy against underwhelming opponents to begin with. It's, it's been all about that defense, but they they haven't played quality offenses yet. Like to expect the Broncos to give up twelve points per game all season. Like we're talking about all time defenses at that point. So they they're gonna come back down to earth. They're they're gonna have a couple games where teams hang thirty on them. Part of that will be on the defense. Part of that will be on Drew Locke or Teddy or whoever's under center. Probably have some turnovers there. So Denver for me is that team. Like I look at their next stretch of games. They've got Dallas in there. They've got they've got a ton of quality teams that they have to play in the next five weeks. So I could see them sitting at four and five, even like three and six. Like it wouldn't shock me if they lost five straight, six straight, given, given the schedule that they have. So the Broncos for me, the team at one and three, and you're going to have to bear with me on this one because it's one that you're probably not expecting. And that would be Indianapolis. Now, now, I think when it comes to Indianapolis, like we're talking about a team preseason, they're projecting them for around 10 wins. Like They thought it was a true toss-up between Tennessee and Indy for who was going to win the division. And a lot of that was based off of how, well, how's Carson Wentz going to play. And we've seen them banged up. But we also can't overlook the fact that, like, who are their three losses to? It's to Seattle. It's to the Rams. Like... Mm-hmm. Like, those are two teams that, like, we weren't expecting them to beat anyways. And then they lose to the Titans, which, like, divisional games. So, you can give them a pass on losing to the Titans. Like, they still have to play the Jags twice. I think they got the Lions mixed in there at one point or the Texans twice. Like, we can't rule out the fact that they they could easily go 4-2 and in this division. And so, for me, Indianapolis is that team where I still think that's a, a quality defense. Like they, they haven't been blown out in any of their games. Like, yeah, they lost twenty-eight to sixteen, but like that still wasn't a blowout to me. Like they were still like in the fourth quarter fighting tooth and nail to win that game. They didn't look great against Miami last week, but hey, a win's a win. It was a it was a revenge game for, for Jacoby Brissett. <laughs> yeah. But 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 they they've got they've got the schedule ahead of them. They've still like they haven't even got Jonathan Taylor going yet and it is tough to get him going especially when you're playing against teams like the Rams and that front seven. So they're a team that I'm not out on yet. I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs, but could I see them finishing 9 and 8 just missing out. They they put together a pretty quality season given the fact that they lost Quentin Nelson, that Carson Wentz was banged up from week 1. I think that would be a win for an Indianapolis this year to finish nine and eight, and I think it's definitely possible with with the remaining games they have.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can't say I disagree with you. Like you said, I mean, the, the benefit of the early or not the benefit of the early tough schedule, Seattle, uh, and then with Carson Wentz being injured, having to figure some things out, like it, there's been a lot of things for the Colts and to be one and three. Like you said, there's I still think they're better than Jacksonville. Still think they're better than Houston. Four and two in the division can get you, you know, to have four automatic wins in a sense in a division means you you win a few games here and there and and boom, like you're fighting for a playoff spot. Uh, There's been some other disappointing teams in the AFC also. So the AFC might not be as tough as projected unless the AFC West continues on their trajectory, which therefore means, I mean, those are probably all. Very possible the whole West Coast could be in the playoffs. I mean, if you think about the way the NFC West and the AFC West are playing right now, we could see the whole West Coast of the NFL be in the playoffs uh, at the end of the season. That'd be the first time ever. I know that for a fact because it'll be the first time ever one division has sent all the players because it it wasn't physically possible. But now it'll be like if two divisions send all their teams, the whole West Coast will be running the NFL. Uh, it'd be very disappointing if a West Coast team didn't win the Super Bowl after <laughs> running the whole NFL. So, we got a few more things to talk about. Main thing I want to focus on top four M- uh, NFL MVP candidates. Uh, we could do them in order or not. I'm going to go with mine first uh, and kind of talk about them a little bit, but I'm going to go with mine first. At number four, I got Trayvon Diggs. I just statistically, he's leading in, in interceptions in, on, on a defense that is leading the league in takeaways if he continues and i'm not saying he's gonna have 12 freaking interceptions or he's gonna have an interception in every game but if he continues his dominance i mean to say that i couldn't see three or four more he has five interceptions If he could give me eight or nine on and dallas's defense continues the way they are and mind you they're getting demarcus lawrence back they're gonna get keanu neal back who's been injured They're getting Kelvin Joseph off of IR, the rookie corner that they've drafted. So Jabril Cox will be playing now that we've released Jalen Smith, which we'll touch on that in a minute. But I have to go Trayvon Diggs because the Cowboys will be a really good team, and I think they're going to have a lot of guys at a lot of positions looking to get awards. And so, But when you talk about value, like the guy leading the league in interceptions for the defense that's leading in takeaways – has to have a lot of value. Shout out to the defensive guys. I don't think he wins it. But to say that he he won't earn it in the conversation when Aaron Donald has had an opportunity with leading the league in sacks, uh, Miles Garrett has had an opportunity as far as at least being a candidate with leading the league in sacks, is, can leading the league in interceptions get you there? And so I have to put him at number four, at least through the first quarter. doesn't mean I see him there uh, at the end of the season. At number three, Tom Brady uh tom brady three and one yes he lost to to uh the rams yes he didn't look the greatest against new england but at the end of the day he's gotten wins and his offense has looked potent enough even against the rams he threw for over 400 yards his yards is going to be up there at the top of the league i think at the end of the season and his passing touchdowns i think he'll be top five to seven if the bucks you know, they, they don't look like they're going to lose a lot of games. Yes, they lost to the Rams, but there's not a lot of games left on their schedule that they're not going to be favored for. So I could see, I mean, if the if Tom Brady is leading the league or, you know, top three in pass yards, top five in passing touchdowns, and they have the best record in the NFL, how could you not see Tom Brady start going, you know, his age, getting up there? Like, how could you not be continue to be impressed by what Tom Brady does? Plus, I got to st- continue to roll with him because he was my preseason MVP pick. So I got to stay loyal to Tom Brady, but he's earned being number three right now. Number two, Matthew Stafford. I have to give Matthew Stafford number two. He's looked amazing. He's changed the whole way how we look at the Los Angeles Rams right now. They were playoff contenders last year. They are Super Bowl contenders this year, even with coming off the loss of Arizona, which is why he wasn't my number one, if you would have asked me this question last week. But he is now number two. Um, And so I think Matthew Stafford has a real shot. The same thing with Brady. I think with with how Matthew Stafford has been on fire up to this point in the Rams, if they do win their division or they're one of the top. But, you know, I think Matthew Stafford has an opportunity to win it, and I think he'll remain in this race all season. But number one, I have to go with his counterpart that just gave him his first L, your guy, Kenneth, who we probably have the same number ones. Got to go Kyler Murray. He's got to be number one. He's gotta be the number one MVP candidate. Like he's the quarterback on the best team, the only undefeated team in football right now. Um, I haven't statistically checked up on all of them. I'm sure you'll give it because I know that's your guy. Uh, but I have to because I did say I felt like he was two or three prior to the game versus the Rams. But beating the Rams in the way they did it in the dominant fashion has to put him as the lead horse of the MVP race. And I'm not saying it's not so close where it's his to lose but it could be to some, in some people's eyes that this is Colin Murray's MVP to lose. Like as long as Arizona continues the success that they're having, if they are the best team in the NFL, there's not much anybody could do to stop the voters from rocking with Colin Murray as the, as a, the MVP for this year. He was, um, he still, I think he's a favorite. If I'm not mistaken, he's the favorite for the MVP candidate right now. I think it's him and Stafford as one and two, uh, or they're definitely up there. They're fairly close. So I think it's him and Stafford. Um, but starting with you kenneth or going with you who are your top
1: 4 mvp candidates if you don't have them in order that's cool i have mine in order just cuz but the the deceiving part when it comes to to the mvp right now is when you actually look at the odds the two guys that are favored are not in my top f- 5 or top 4 i should say and that's mahomes and brady but but when it comes to the betting side they're more so looking at well some of these guys ahead of them they're going to fall off and we don't want to give too good of odds on guys that that could turn it around and they they look at Tampa and the Chiefs as a team that could rattle off those ten wins in a row like we talked about, and suddenly they're they're the MVP of the league. So at number four, I got Dak Prescott. People are probably going to call me biased for having him there, but the, that Dallas offense looks incredible. And yeah, Zeke and Pollard have been great, but Dak's been great in his own right. Like he's he's had ten passing touchdowns. I think he's top five in yards right now. The defense is playing well, but they're beating quality opponents as well, which is something that they hadn't done over the last number of years. Them beating those quality opponents, I think, has moved them up. And even their one loss, he played really well against that Tampa Bay defense as well. So I think Dak at four is completely justified. At number three, I got Sam Darnold. The guy's got 10 total touchdowns. He's got a 3 and one record. He's leading the league in rushing touchdowns. He's sixth in passing yards. And yeah, that Carolina defense had been impressive, but he's been doing it also without Christian McCaffrey the last game and a half. So I think we have to give him some love based off of that because if we're talking about just through four weeks, Carolina was a team that, yeah, they beat the teams that they should, but that shouldn't penalize Darnold from being in there. And I think he's had more noteworthy performances and less bad ones than Mahomes and Brady. So that's why I've got him ahead of those guys. At number two, I got Matt Stafford as well. Yes, they lost to the Cardinals, but it's a divisional game. We've been talking about that all night. Divisional games, am I going to be shocked if the Rams go to Arizona and win that game on the swing around? No. Like, we know that this is the toughest division in football. And the way that he looked against that Tampa Bay defense as well, I think you got to show him some love and have him at number two. Number one for me, it is Kyler Murray. And, you know, the last couple weeks, I'd kind of been – I'd been messing around saying, well, Kyler's the MVP, Kyler's the MVP, until last week when I think he truly put himself at the top of that list. He's got 12 total touchdowns. The one thing that's hurting him is that he's thrown four picks already, so he's going to need to get the picks under control because if he's on pace for 17 interceptions, that's not going to cut it for MVP in the NFL. But when your team's 4-0, you've beat teams that we didn't think that they were going to. And yeah, the defense has been solid, but he's got that offense scoring like 35 points per game. I think it has to be Kyler through four weeks. And I think if he, I said this the other day, I think if he beats San Francisco and then goes and beats Cleveland these next couple games, he could jump out to a big lead in the MVP race. And one thing that I know about the MVP is usually by the halfway mark, it takes something pretty significant to fall off in order to not win the MVP. So the next couple weeks will be crucial for him if he's going to take it home.
0: Yeah. And if you think about it, like the only, I guess the only problem with the MVP award is it's kind of a quarterback award, Yep. but at the same time, it's not necessarily narrative driven though. A lot of times it's like the best quarterback on the best team or the best statistical quarterback on one of the best teams. Like that's kind of, but it's not narrative driven. It's not, there's not a lot of factors except like, you, to not be to be a non-quarterback, like you have to have had like almost a record-breaking season at your position, whether it's you know Aaron Donald or or Derek Henry, like Derek Henry having two K didn't get him the MVP, and like we thought that it was very possible that he could get the MVP. But like I said, I think that's a quarterback award. I think that's the only flaw with MVP. But at the same time, like it's not as narrative-driven, so it is one of those like for the most part, the quarterback that wins the MVP is is rightfully so. Uh, there is like it could have been this guy if the if the race is close. It's kind of like preference. But for the most part, guys who win the MVP earn the MVP, especially as when we understand once you get out of the thought process that somebody else should have got it as non-quarterback. That's why I think like best quarterback of the year should have their own award and then MVP is a non-quarterback They also award.
1: factor team record way more into it than they do MVP in other sports, I find, because in the NBA, when we see it all the time, like a guy's on like the four seed but then he wins the MVP just because it is narrative driven. The team success may not be there, but in the NFL, we typically are looking at them as a top two to three seed in their conference. They likely have to win their division unless you could see it this year of like an AFC West, like Mahomes doesn't win the West, but like the team is like, let's say 12 and five, 13 and four. They just don't win the division vice versa. Like you could say that in the NFC West, like maybe the Cardinals don't win the division. But it's because the Rams are thirteen and four, and they're twelve and five. Like you have to be one of those top record teams, I think, in order to win the award. We saw it with Green Bay last year. So I, I do agree that I think it's less narrative driven; it's more team driven and actual stats driven, which is why I like the NFL MVP.
0: Yeah, and like I said, it's more so like quarterback. Uh, I think you should separate the quarterback and and uh, or offensive player of the year to me should be a non-quarterback award. And def- obviously defensive player is defensive player here. But if, if MVP is kind of going to be a quarterback award, then I think offensive player of the year should be a non-quarterback award. Best player that wasn't a quarterback. And I think you'd be okay. I mean, if, if you have a record-breaking season, you could be a non-quarterback to win MVP. But I do think offensive player of the year should be a non-quarterback award, especially because more often than not, we're seeing quarterbacks as MVPs. So, I mean, to give offensive, yeah, th- those guys run the office the whole time. But, you know, they're nothing without some of their weapons, most of them. Anyway, so before we move on to our final topic, which will be the Rams and Seahawks preview for you guys tomorrow night, just want to talk about, we've seen two major moves. Stefan Gilmore got traded to the Carolina Panthers right after there were reports that he was going to get released. And obviously our Dallas Cowboys released Jalen Smith, and it looks like he's going to the Green Bay Packers. So not only have these players who Jalen Smith actually PFF had him ranked as the 11th best linebacker in football through the first quarter of the season based on production. So to have gotten cut when you have a top, arguably a top 10 linebacker and you watch him get cut. And as a Cowboys fan,
1: you'll be able, what did you think when Jalen Smith got cut? I mean, the timing of the Jalen Smith one was a bit off to me, but then when I really dove in and looked at it, like he's owed 7.2 million this year in, in salary. So it was fine. But next year they owe him nine point two in injury guarantees if they held on to him. So by moving on from him now, they're saving their money down the road. Like I, as I said, the timing to me is off because if you're going to do this, first of all, he he should not be ranked where he is if you're going to release him because that tells me that he was having an impact somewhere on the football field. And from all the reports that we heard. He was doing everything that the Cowboys asked of him. He was a complete professional. There was nothing that he was doing that was upsetting them. He just suddenly gets released. So, I mean, this is a huge win for the Green Bay Packers. You look at that defense, they haven't have been great the last number of years. And so for them to get a quality linebacker there can only make them that much better in, in the NFC where we've seen these other teams get better. So that's a huge get for them in the Gilmore side of things. You only had to give up a six rounder. If you're Carolina to get Stefan Gilmore, that makes Carolina to me about as close to a playoff lock, barring QB getting hurt as it gets, because we already knew that that defense was impressive. Yes. Dallas played really well against them, but this is just going to shore it up and they're not going to have to go up against the Cowboys offense every week. And they're in a division with the Falcons and the saints. So for me, this is just locked up that Carolina is a playoff team this year.
0: And look at what Carolina has done for for Dan Arnold, uh, a third round and a six-round pick. They've gotten C.J. Henderson uh, of Young Promising Corner and Stephon Gilmore, a proven top corner in the NFL. Obviously, he's injured right now, but he'll be coming off. He's expected to return after week six, so he will be available to play this year. Uh, The unfortunate thing is that J.C. Horn is hurt because, oh, my God, like if they do end up keeping stefan gilmore beyond this year that secondary as a whole is going to be absolutely crazy and you know my one of my good friends i had a conversation with him earlier uh alec Elijah, go check him out with sports Sess with alec um he mentioned you think bill because they were gonna they were gonna send him they were they were gonna release him you think bill sent him to carolina i'm sure he had some interest they were saying that um See, Stephon Gilmore is from North Carolina, and he lives two houses down from the GM. Uh, so I'm sure he had some interest. But do you think, like, Bill wanted to allow it to be a bidding war? Or do you think, like, he felt satisfied with sending Stefan Gilmore over there to Carolina, which probably would have been one of the teams he was interested to go, to, to? so good old Tommy boy could have to see him twice this year? Do you think there was a thought process where, like, hey, Tampa's going to pursue him, Carolina is going to pursue him. There they they were, were rumblings that Green Bay was going to want him. Uh, that, and they almost thought it was going to be a lock that he was going to go to Green Bay. We know Vegas was going to go after him. Uh, Dallas was interested in Gilmore. So do you think like, hey, I have a list of teams that are after me. i love to go to Carolina or I'm going to entertain Tampa. And Bill's like, you know what? We're going to take advantage. We're not going to allow Tom Brady to get you. But we're going we to get Tom Brady to have to see you twice this year because y'all don't play him until the last, two of the last three games of the season. You think, you think Bill had something to do with Stefan Gilmore going to Carolina?
1: I mean, like, it, I think it's great to say because it plays into the whole Bill Belichick is Darth Vader of the NFL and that he's got this – he's just this evil guy and everything, and he'll do anything to spite people and to win games and everything. I think – Carolina is maybe the team that offered, like, I think teams maybe offered a seventh rounder. They offered a sixth. Like, I don't know what the market actually was for Gilmore. I think teams would have inquired about him. I don't know if they were prepared to give up assets for him. I think he still has some football left in him, but I do have some question marks around that. To be honest, when, it, when I saw Gilmore got released, I thought, okay, how long until Tampa or how long until Kansas City picks him up? But that's also the basketball mind of mine thinking, well, it's the Lakers or Nets are going to pick them up. Like, because that's, but that's what we happen, were hearing. Right. It. Yeah. Yeah. But we and, were hearing that was possible. You you were hearing it. And then it's like, okay, well, if not there, then, you know, Green Bay, Dallas teams that teams that are on the cusp that could, could use just that extra guy. So, hey, if Bill did it good on him to spite Tom, like, I think that's hilarious, but I don't know. I don't know if it runs that deep with this, but it's it's the Patriots. So, honestly, who knows at this point?
0: Yeah, I mean, it was just, it was just something like, man, I didn't even think about it uh, in that fashion. So, before we go, we won't spend too much time on it, but the Rams and Seahawks play Thursday night. Arguably the best Thursday night matchup we'll get all year. Uh, this is This is a heck of a matchup for a Thursday night to get you ready for a football weekend. I mean, Russell Wilson versus Matt Stafford, two division rivalries. Like what more can you ask for? Uh Rams Rams are looking to bounce back off of a loss. Seahawks are looking to keep their hopes and keep Mo having everybody look crazy about the Seahawks being the worst team in the NFC West. So I'm hoping they still are holding me up. Uh and this this could be a stake of being tied with the uh Seahawks leading uh if they beat if they beat the rams because they'll beat in san francisco and the rams back to back so just what are some of your storylines what are you looking for uh in this matchup tomorrow night
1: i mean truthfully like this won't come as a shock because i'm not high on seattle this year i actually think the rams are going to beat them pretty handily tomorrow night and i mean yes Russ for stafford's a great matchup like We're going to see Ramsey. Who's he going to shut down? It's likely going to be Metcalf that he's going to go up against. So you should expect a big locket game in that regard. But for me, I just think that Seattle defense isn't great. Like we know that they're not a good defense. Like this is not Seattle five years ago. I think the Rams are going to hang 35 on them on the road. I think it's going to be tough for Seattle to put up the points that we expect because – We also know that Seattle O-line isn't great. You know, Chris Carson wasn't practicing today. He's got a neck issue, so who knows if he plays tomorrow night. You know, the guy I just traded for in Fantasy, super fired up to read that report today. But I just think they're going to – I think it's like 35-21, 35-24 at best. Like, they're only two-and-a-half-point favorites, but when you're two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road, that's pretty telling, and I think – they both I think Vegas believes they're gonna win by a touchdown. They're just giving you that two and a half to tease you. And so yeah, I, I I think it's a Rams win tomorrow night.
0: I agree with you. I think the worst thing is always a really good team coming off a loss. Um that's what we thought with the Bucks coming off the loss to the Rams playing in New England, but we knew there was a lot of emotion off of that. But and you know, like like even coming off a big time win is You know, everything that you – like, last week with you picking Arizona, like, this is the same type of game, like, except Arizona wasn't coming off a loss. But, like, the Rams are coming to bounce back off a loss while the Seahawks are coming off a big-time win against San Francisco. Like, you know, that was why you picked Arizona because you're like, the Rams were coming off a big-time win – against the Bucs, and they put all their focus there. Like, I think it was a must win for the Seahawks last week, and they put all their focus there. And it wasn't a, this is our Super Bowl, this is the biggest game of the season, but there was a, like, we could be 1-3. I mean, the Seahawks lose that game, and they're 1-3. They're probably the best 1-3 team, obviously, in the NFL at that point, but still, like, that was what was at stake, was going 1-3 and, and kind of having to tread behind in a strong division. And, like, San Francisco, at that point, you're two games behind – the Rams and San Francisco and you're two games behind going up against another matchup with the Rams. So you could essentially lose this game and be three games behind had you lost last week. So I do. I think the Rams win. just coming off a loss in in this team, I don't see them taking it lightly. They got smacked too by a division opponent. Honestly, the score didn't even do it justice. I mean, 3720 and it was even worse than that. Um, So I do think they bounce back in the best way possible. For the Rams, I think Matt Stafford shreds that defense apart. I think Jalen Ramsey uh, takes – continues DK Metcalf's slow woes and, and takes him out of the game. Uh, Tyler Lockett's kind of banged up also. So, I think – I don't know. I think he's still banged up with his hip, so I don't see much production from him. So, I don't know. It could be a lot of Russell Wilson running for his life back there and hoping that DK can find a few plays here and there. Maybe Gerald Everett coming back off of the COVID list. Can, can get open through the middle, but they also got some pretty good safeties over there. But I, I'm going to go with you. Uh, I'm going to say 34-17, the Rams. I just think the Seahawks, no Chris Carson, uh, possibly DK Metcalf being taken out of the game, essentially being guarded by Jalen Ramsey and a banged up Tyler Lockett that might not be able to take advantage of being guarded by uh, cornerback too. I just think the 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 Rams will take full advantage of that. And I think Matt Stafford will go absolutely insane, right his spot is the second, you know, second place spot uh as an MVP candidate and the Rams continue to keep it rolling despite the bad loss for the Cardinals. So, with that being said though, Kenneth, I appreciate you for coming on as always. Before we go, y'all make sure you go to offtheballnetwork.com for all your sports needs and entertainment and Kenneth, any future projects, you know, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, your phone number for all the ladies. I, I swear I'm just joking. I hope your fiance don't kill me. But now, nah, you know, give all your plugs and your future projects
1: coming out. <laughs> that phone number's never getting released. Not a not a chance. And Vic, if you're listening, I hope you heard that. Uh, no, you can follow me on all social platforms at Shooters underscore Pod. Just put out a couple articles up on Off the Ball Network website today golf betting's back so I put one up for that and then as well as NBA regular season win totals there's a couple nice ones in there Mo and I were talking about that Cleveland one at 26 and a half so go and check that out NFL article drops tomorrow top five games of the week this game that we just talked about will be featured in that so you'll get to see my full breakdown of what I like from from the over under I mean if you do the math you would know anyways but I uh, college basketball article coming out friday shooter shoot is back on tuesday we got breaking the game on monday we got a lot happening bets on bets on bets on sunday pat and i are we're 14 and 10 on the year we're up i think it's six or seven units so we're making you some money there as well so check that out sunday morning at at ten thirty a.m eastern time and mo thanks for having me on man it's always fun chatting football with you and any other sport so Appreciate it.
0: Yeah, of course. Y'all heard him. Go check out everything from Bets on Bets, his articles. I mean, he has like an article every day, whether it's golf, basketball, college basketball. Uh, we going to get Kenneth into, into, into college football, though. We need some college football betting articles out. We're going to get him there, though. He's from Canada. He lives in Canada. They're not big on college football out there. They're big on the Ryder Cup. <laughs> And, and all those other great things so, uh, we're
1: big on the rider cup when it's u.s yeah. versus europe we're just big yeah, on it they, just, they you know, big on the rider cup and
0: yeah i don't i don't know much about you know the, the saskatchewan <laughs> rough riders uh what was what is it come on D- the
1: saskatchewan they, rough riders see there you go. Right see, go i know a little something see i know a little i know a little something see, see.
0: <laughs> but yeah i appreciate everybody for tuning in listening uh Go follow me, Up at Flames Pod, Twitter, Instagram, Mo underscore Cheese15 on Twitter and Instagram. Thank God we got Instagram back, even though I don't be on it. But on that note, Upper Flames is out.